Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jance, and my guest today is Mike Schultz. He is the president of Rain Group. He's a publisher of raintoday.com, an awesome newsletter, and also the co-author of a book we're going to talk about today, Rain Making Conversations, How to Influence, Persuade, and Sell in Any Situation. So, Mike, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me here, and welcome back from your amazing jaunt across uh, the great <laughs> Northlands in Alaska. Well, I'm, I may end up back there. I, I, I did. I uploaded lots of pictures uh, uh, to to all the various social places that we do things these days, and I, a lot of people uh, apparently have uh, have gone up to those parts as well. So, let me start off with, and a lot of times I start on the title of a book. You know, why why the word conversations? You know, a lot of times I think uh, people think in terms of selling as being. Uh, more of a presentation. So, uh, so let's uh, let's let's dissect that word first. Well, people think uh, in of selling in terms of a presentation, uh, oftentimes because uh, that's the, the 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 part that we're a part of when we're a buyer. We constantly have salespeople calling us to pitch us something, and they want to take twenty minutes of our valuable time to share their capabilities. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but uh, I get them all the time, and here and there, I've been a part of them. And usually they're either off-target, boring, not necessarily helpful. And on the other side, uh, even just that capabilities pitch, hey, I want to talk to you about our capabilities, that is probably the least common reason why people would want to actually entertain buying something. Right. So the presentation happens way, way, way farther along in the process. Or if there is a presentation, and a lot of people actually say that there really isn't a place for presentations anymore in sales. It's really just about yeah. connecting with people. You know what? There are places for presentations. But if you pull it back, what, what do we need to do to make, to make sales? Well, we all know that there's this amazing value that we offer. Uh, and if we have customers and clients, most of the people listening have at least some, even if you've just gotten started, they'll say to us, oh, I love working with you. It's great. My life has been so different since working with you. But we, those of us that are, that are in business, I don't know of anyone who says that I'm working with every possible person and company in the world that I should be working with. And that's a shame because we offer this amazing value. If we were working with um, all the people that we should be working with, or even just a lot more, then we would be making millions and millions of dollars more in money. And the gap between that millions and millions of dollars is conversations, and it's conversations in two parts. One, we have to have a great sales conversations, and that freaks a lot of people out. I've heard some folks say, uh, geez, you know, I'm... Uh, someone said, you know, I'm really uncomfortable, and I go into meetings, and someone stood up at the same uh, presentation, and I was at saying, really uncomfortable. I fall flat in my face, and I'm completely freaked out, and I'm sweating on my way in. So there's that, 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 that challenge of having great sales conversations, but the, the first part and another challenging part is to create these sales conversations. There are so many people out there right now that, that we don't even have a connection with. So how do we initiate a sales conversation and begin a relationship that can lead to sales? So that gap between that amazing value we offer and those millions in sales that we're not getting is our own ability to create and hold masterful sales conversations, and thus the book on the topic. Well, and and. Like a lot of good books, I mean, what you've really done is is studied people that uh, that do this, right? That that are that are successful doing this. And you, uh, I think, you even start the first chapter with some common uh, 
practices and principles that, that top what you call rainmakers uh, share. You want to talk a little bit about what some of those common you know, principles or characteristics are? Uh, sure. Well, first, uh, you're, you're, you're hitting on the, the right concept of real top salespeople, and that's why we called it rainmaking conversations versus sales conversations. Sales conversations, of course, would be universally understood. But that term rainmaker, uh, at lots of organizations, the people that sell the most, that bring in all the money, they are actually called rainmakers. And they can, you look at you know, uh, either a typical law firm where rainmaking, the, the, the word is common, you might have 100 people at a law firm, and only two or three guys are really bringing in revenue to cover everyone at this really nice you know, nosebleed floor of the big, the big office building law firm. It's really just two or three guys bringing most of the stuff in there. And then there's a couple, couple guys after that are bringing in some, and, and the rest of them are just, uh, are just uh, taking a bath in the shower that the rest of the folks create. So that's the term rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, so the, the characteristics of the people that have the most success, people say, oh, geez, you know, they're, they're great at prospecting, or they can uncover needs, or, or they're really great at presentations, and listening skills is what's important. Those are all skills kinds of things, and those are the things that can be taught. But the things that people bring to the table, because I know folks that, that, that can have great sales conversations, can uh, prospect really well, can overcome objections, but they don't want to, or they just don't do it. But the ones that really succeed, it's not, it's not a skill thing that's in their way. Because, again, skills can be learned. It's things like their desire to succeed in sales. Uh, The second one is their commitment to doing what it takes to reach that success in sales and to not be distracted by uh, options that are attractive at the time. And I'll just want one other quick thing about desire and commitment. It's a long list. I'd love to go through them. But these are two really core things. Think, okay, uh, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of mom and apple pie stuff, but it, it's really the case. The ones that want it want it really bad. Want it as bad as as Ralphie in um, in a, a Christmas Story wants his Red Rider carbine action two hundred shot range model air rifle with the compass and the stock and the thing which tells time. We know how much Ralphie wants that. Now, if you have that kind of desire in sales, I know senior, senior managers, people talk about skills and little things, but the time you get all the way to the top, the senior managers say, give me people with the fire in the belly and I'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Commitment, if you think about, I know, I know uh, people that want things as much as Ralphie wants that, that, that Red Rider BB gun. I know people that want to lose weight just as much. I know people that have wanted it really, really bad, me included at times. But what happens is, is, oh, you know, I had a really good day, 10 o'clock rolls around, I'm tired, I'm watching TV, my stomach's grumbling, I want just a, just a little bite. So I go have a, a, a couple of chips and salsa, 15 chips, three, uh, three Weight Watchers points. Yeah, but who has 15 chips? So I have the rest of the bag, and then the next thing you know, I'm breaking out the wings. <laughs> so I have the desire, but I, I don't do what I need to do, and I usually know what it is to actually get the end result. And when you have those two things together, you have a very powerful combination to help people succeed in sales. You know, one of the things that uh, I think is, I don't think we get much argument about this from anybody that's done any selling is that, uh, and, and you talk about this, that people buy from people they like. Um, I, again, I think that's universal. I don't think anybody would argue that, that, that that's gone out there and tried to, that's either bought something or sold something. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, But in this day and age, you know, so much of that, 
that interaction is done digitally. Maybe maybe they don't even meet a salesperson until you know way down the information gathering process. So is that um, is that aspect of you know people buy f- from people they like uh, still important today? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, it's uh, I think it can be even more important because here, here's the cry. The cry is oh everything's commoditizing. Mm-hmm. There's so much more competition and the economy's tough, so there's price pressure. You know, John, you, you're you're an old man like I am. Close your eyes and open them back up in 1988. People would have said the same thing, right? Right. I was like, oh, geez, business is so easy. We're making money hand over fist. The other guy's a joker. The the buyers just have money popping out of their ears. I don't remember that from '88. I also, um, you know, my business partner John talks about how challenging stuff was in the '70s and how fast things were changing. I mean, they were they were getting telephones installed in their office and all these, you know, great. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> But there, it, it's always a time where we say business is more challenging than ever, and the fast pace is happening. And sure, you look back, you, you watch your, your episode of Mad Men, and, and they're um, <laughs> they're stirring their uh, their martinis with their um, with their pinkies at their at their three martini lunches, and that doesn't happen as much. But people still look. I mean, I don't I don't know about you, but I've been sold stories before by service providers. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to be your trusted advisor. We're going to help you. We don't just offer services. We offer solutions. Go to someone's website. My God, yeah, that's right. what they all say. Exactly. But the reason why, why uh, you know, that, that message doesn't resonate so much is I've been sold that story before. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think buyers in the right situation are yearning for a deeper connection with people. And if you can make that happen... Uh, then it will help you. It will help you sell because it's really what they're looking for. Now there are other times that you, know, you take, uh, um, you know, whether or not relationships are important. I have amazing relationships with people that I haven't talked to for 15 years because of online stuff. Right. Not that that interactions are less important and connection is less important. It's just that the dynamics of how we do that are different. Right. Take someone who's done an amazing job of being able to create a two-way conversation in the world. His name's John Jantz. <laughs> when you talk to people, when I talk to people, it's like you feel like you know them. You said at the beginning, you know, I posted my pictures of Alaska because I felt like sharing. Right. When people do that, and they do it in a genuine way, with people who have decided they wanted to have some kind of interaction with you, it really starts to create this kind of rapport that we were never able to do in the past. So the dynamic has changed. And with this kind of change comes opportunity for those people that are willing to step back first thing in the morning before they get going, before the alligators get them and say, you know, how do I take advantage of this? What are the new, what are the three things that are happening that when they, they come together in confluence um, makes a change that people aren't really paying attention to yet? I think I'll do something about that. And you can find that you can actually create more relationships and deeper relationships while the, while the, while the, everyone else is saying, oh, nobody has time for me anymore. You know, one of the um, <clears throat> one of the things that I hear a lot, and I'm sure you hear this a lot as well, is that people people you know get really frustrated that hey, I I have a better product, we have a better process, I have a better price, and yet you know people won't you know they logically they should buy from me and they're not. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? You know how do you help people get over that? I mean, what are they doing wrong? All right, so. Um... I, I, you know, uh, ask, uh, ask, uh, I saw this, um, saw this research where, uh, Americans were asked, in general, are you 
above average as a person, average as a person, and below average as a person. And everybody's and guess above what? average. Everybody's a- above average. 80% of Americans <laughs> agree that all things being equal, they are above average people. Right. This goes back to your first question about why are conversations important. Just because, you know, I think I'm uh, tall, handsome, charming, uh, and fun to be with, doesn't mean that someone that I barely know realizes this. Mm-hmm. So while, you know, logically they should be buying from me, my product is better, uh, the price is fine, and by the way, price is another sticky issue we can talk about, mm-hmm. but having a lower price doesn't necessarily make you more attractive in the mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know it doesn't mean that they know it. So in the, in the book, we have um, 10 Rainmaker principles. So along with those uh, attitudes and attributes, we have just these uh, 10 guidelines that the, the people that we've seen succeed the best tend to follow. Number four is think buying first and selling second. So if you take the my stuff's better, my product's better, my solution's better, yada, 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 um, that's great, but you're thinking selling. You're thinking what you know. What they're thinking is I have a challenge, I have a problem, and I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to figure out what I can do about it. I'm going to vet the options for fixing that, and I'm trying to make a case to myself for why it's going to make my world better. The gap between you knowing you have amazing stuff and them and them choosing the best solution hasn't been closed yet. In their minds, they don't see you. Um, they don't see you as that great solution, and that is a challenge typically of conversation. You didn't pull out what their needs were. You didn't pull out what their purchasing criteria were. You didn't have the sense of getting of, of what the other options they were considering, whether they're considering another provider or doing something in-house or even just doing something versus doing nothing because this isn't a required thing to do. This is something proactive where they're just trying to decide, is it worth it for me to do something? So you haven't done those kinds of things in your conversation to draw it out. And then conversation, one of the things that, that uh, you know, if you look at uh, RAIN selling, the, it's, it's based around the, the RAIN framework, R-A-I-N-N. The core meaning for R-A-I-N-N is rapport, aspirations and afflictions, impact, and new reality. But the A and the I also double as a reminder uh, to remind us to balance advocacy and inquiry how much we're asking questions and how much we're sharing. And in the right situations, you want to make sure that you're sharing and making the connections between their needs and what you offer, as well as asking the questions so you can find out what those things actually are. Well, so if you're know, able to a, satisfy a great sales conversation, you'll be able to get to this end goal that you're talking about. Well, that's a great point because I know in my – I'm just use my own case. You know, no, few things drive me crazier than when somebody shows up and just starts interviewing me, you know, peppering me with – with questions that half of which I believe they should know the answers to if they give a you know crap about me anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think there really is sort of that, uh, I think that's a great point, that balance of, of being able to provide information. But, but I think a lot of that starts with, with there is information you should know before you ever mm-hmm. open your mouth, right? Yeah, and that's actually a funny balance too because I know some people that over-prepare to say, yeah, yeah, I saw your vacation from right, right. from 2003 that was posted on the web that I had to Google for 45 minutes. It actually wasn't available on Google. I had to find it on, on Alta Vista. Did you know that it was still there? But in my in my tertiary research on you, right. um, you know, by the way, right. congratulations on losing 10 pounds. I mean, yeah. you don't want to... Yeah. You don't want to go too far. Yeah, we don't have that want... relationship yet, right. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You want the other person to say, oh, someone that 
cared enough and was professional enough to prepare for this meeting to make sure it was most efficient and had the best outcome. Smart guy. Well, I can't tell you how many many conversations be there over the phone or in person that that start with a salesperson saying, so what do you guys do here? And, you know, to me, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty pretty easy to find out what I do here. (laughs) Do you have a website, John? Exactly. I'll have to check that out someday. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned this already, um, and, and so let's uh, let's go right into it. I can buy what you're selling to me from Joe for a lot less. How do you mm-hmm. overcome that? So uh, that's a, a question of, so let, let's say the objection. Let's take it in mm-hmm. simplest form. The objection is money's going to be a problem, right? right. So I'm going to pull it back from I can buy it from Joe for a lot less. Money's okay. going to be a problem. Well, a lot of people then say, oh, I know my answer to money objection. It's blank. Right. And usually it's something like um, it's one of two things. I'm going to talk about my value. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, then you know, pr- you know, we don't budge on price. You just They just hold their ground. Right. Or I'm going to talk but, about quality. Uh, I mean, that's another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, our quality is better. And, exactly. and, and mm-hmm. so, right. But that, that, uh, for me, that goes to a question of value. Like, right. you know, that's right. the reason why we're more expensive. And exactly. you, you should want to purchase that because of right. it. But I think a lot of people miss one critical thing, which is why is money going to be a problem? Because there are all sorts of things behind that. Money is going to be a problem. I see the value. I actually don't have the cash. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, money is a problem. Then it can be a question of financing. Or it can be a question of money is going to be a problem. I have the money. Let's say it's a corporate sale. Uh, like, financially, you're talking to me. I'm a $1.5 billion corporation. Money is going to be a problem. You start talking about, about quality and value or holding your price, or for them, money is going to be a problem of uh, it's September. I don't get my new budget until right, January, right. and it's uh, and it's seventy five thousand dollars. Well, if you say why, and they say, well, I don't get my new budget until January, and you say, well, what do you have left now? Only half of that. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we schedule it as a term where you're going to be getting the value over a certain period of time instead of just buying it today and taking possession? That we'll split it into fifty percent. Uh, you know, 50% this and 50% mm-hmm. something else due on January 15th, and they'll say, oh, okay, so money's going to be a problem timing. Money's going to be a problem. I don't see, I actually have enough money, but I don't see why I should be spending so much. That's where you have that question of value. Money's going to be a problem. I actually see why I should be spending so much, but Joe, the other guy, said um, he could do it for less. Oftentimes, what Joe is going to do for less is not what you're going to do. Or it's not the right. outcome that you're going to, or it's not the outcome that you're going to get. So there, there, there's a, a there's a million different kinds of things of why money's going to be a problem. Money's also going to be a problem sometimes because some buyers are trained just to say money's going to be a problem <laughs> because I bet I can get it for less. Yeah. My dad said everything is negotiable, and when I go into a store or when I even and the way I, I buy as a buyer, I, I just push on price until I get until I see uh, what I what I can get. Then you have more of an economic kind of thing, like where's the supply and the demand actually find crossover, and where does the supply say, forget it, I'm leaving. Uh, and you know, but let, let me the, inter- let me interject. Um, you know, from a from a um, a business standpoint, a customer st- or a, a seller standpoint too. Uh, that's mm-hmm. also a place though where you should be ready to make a determination that that's not a customer you want, right? Uh, as well, yep. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, because because sometimes what that is is I don't appreciate your unique way of doing business or don't value your unique way of business, and I'm going to be mm-hmm. a pain in the butt customer. 
Well, that's a great question of strategy. So <laughs> is, is it, I don't see it because you haven't communicated right. it yet, and I'm really a half-decent guy. I'm just trying to do the best right. thing for my business, but, right. but it's eluding me right now. Right. Or am I a squeeze, 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 squeeze kind of person? And you want to be careful, especially if you're a service provider, of, of stepping into that relationship. One of the things that I learned uh, very, very early on uh, from my first boss when we were talking about price on one deal, and you know, I said, like any 22-year-old might, well, why don't we uh, try to get this deal for less because there's you know, three years of ongoing work here. He said, once you walk in with your back stooped, that's how they see you. Yeah. So walk in standing up straight. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a strategy where you have a way to win an early sale sure. yeah. that provides value and isn't necessarily the highest cost, and they don't have to know that you might be either taking a loss on or it's really yeah. just a loss leader. A lot of companies run public seminars at a loss just so they could then win consulting deals on the backside right, exactly. or technology sales on the backside. So mm-hmm. you, you, you don't necessarily uh, want to do that. So you have to decide, are they just going to be like that, or is this just a natural part of the negotiation? One other thing, sometimes there's the, the person who plays the heavy, like the purchasing department or the CFO, but the guy you're actually going to be working with is going to be fine for a year. So you have to work right. uh, collaboratively through this purchasing process so then you can get to the time when money is actually an issue we settled last month, and for the next 12, we're just moving forward. Yeah, and, and research research, uh, uh, and all the good stuff you can find out now is, is certainly a piece of that. So let's let's uh, end today on kind of the, 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 I don't know, you pick a number, two or three biggest mistakes that, that you see uh, is, is really costing people the most. So I'm, I'm going to give you uh, two. All right. The first one is uh, listing. We asked 231 buyers that represented $1.6 billion of corporate purchasing power about the problems they ran into when they were trying to buy. And the top one was listening. Because of listening, they don't make very good connections. So the likability factor doesn't help. So they're not building rapport. Because they perceive, even if you are listening, if the buyer perceives you're not listening, they're not going to think you un- that you understand their needs. Because they don't perceive you're not listening and they perceive that you probably don't understand their needs, they're not going to think that you're offering a solution that actually meets those needs. So if you can take care of listening and making that kind of connection, uh, then you can take care of a heck of a lot. And the second thing, is that I have seen more people intend to sell than sell. Regardless of the skills, regardless of their ability to hold a great sales conversation, uh, they don't get there in the morning early enough to get ahead. They don't make the calls they should be making. They don't make it their business, if they're in a conceptual sale, to understand it as well as the president of the company so that they can hold the conversation and really be seen as credible. They don't do those things that they need to do to actually sell. They just show up and say, I'm going to be a great salesperson. Oh, look, it's 5 o'clock. Got to go. <laughs> so I would say intend to sell. Have the desire. Have the commitment. Have goals. Make sure those goals are translated into things you need to do today and this week and this month to succeed. And you'll be able to learn the skills over time and seek out the answers that you need for how to succeed in the different parts of the sales cycle while you start to succeed right now, given your energy, effort, desire, passion, and commitment. 
Yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, certainly a lot of the things we've talked about are, you know, there are skills that people learn and they get better at things, you know, but, but you're, you know, some, 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 at some point you have to realize that this is, you know, rainmakers outwork people too. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, thanks for joining me. You can pick up Rainmaking Conversations certainly at any of the places that people uh, purchase books. But then you also have a website where you've got some uh, some extra goodies there as well, right? Uh, we do. If you go to rainsalestraining.com slash book tools, mm-hmm. you'll see all sorts of free tools that, that come along with the book. You just have to um, give us scouts on or, hey, I bought one. And then there's all sorts of downloads, including, I think, something awesome from you. Uh, that people can use as supplemental content that goes with the book. But uh, you'll, uh, you can find it there on our website. You can get it at your favorite bookseller, uh, Amazon.com, all those great places. Right. Well, Mike, great uh, chatting with you, and I'm sure we'll uh, catch up again sometime soon. Well, thanks so much, John, and thanks to everyone for listening today. Right. Take care.